Welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mercy Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. And we're taking you back to the early 1980s once again, as we remember another groundbreaking cop show which finally put a woman centre stage. While Stephanie Turner was bringing Inspector Jean Darbley to life for the first time in Juliet Bravo on BBC One exactly 40 years ago this year, ITV was blazing a trail with a slightly more gritty detective series. Jill Gascoigne was recruited by London Weekend Television to play Maggie Forbes. Like Juliet Bravo, it was hugely popular, but the shows were quite different, as MIM's Ashley Byrne has been finding out in this... The Great Gentle Touch Reunion. Have fun. Hello, I'm Paul Moriarty. I played uh, Defective Sergeant Jake Barrett uh, from the beginning, really, for a four-series. I think it was. I did about 48 episodes. Hi, my name is Bernard Holly, and I worked on The Gentle Touch for about six to eight periods. In fact, I killed it. It was the last... (laughs) It was the last programme was made and I was in the last programme. As far as I know, I mean, all of this is conjecture because a lot of time has passed since then, so <laughs> who can tell what we did or didn't do? Yeah, I'm Peter J. Hammond. I wrote six episodes of, the, of this of this, of the Gentle Touch. Yeah. So, roll the tape. So listening to that, guys, it sort of conjures up this impression of lots of action, but lots of emotion, Paul, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. And I think, uh, you know, with writers like Peter, mm. it did confront issues that were going on in London and at the time, which mm. is uh, what a lot of police things don't do anymore. And Peter started with Zed Cars and Bernard as well. It was uh, in a direct line from that. Indeed. And because it was set in London, it had more action and more boom, 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 da 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 to it than Juliet Bravo did. Which was a much more gentle yeah, program yeah. on the BBC, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, Peter, then, um, you were one of the writers um, of the series from nearly the beginning, I gather. What was the premise behind yeah. The Gentle Touch and where did it come from? Because you can tell, first of all, we know, as I say, there's a, the, the main character is, is, a, is a woman, so that's one particular area. Yeah. But you do feel as though you've got that feel of the 1970s, 80s sort of feel of action that had come from a lot of American dramas mm. and, of course, the British Sweeney and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Tell us a bit about where it came from. Well, well it was different. She, she was a leader. She didn't have to follow what the men said and what the men did. I, going back to the opening titles... I had problems with them because they were far too dramatic for the kind of work writing that I did. I did little quiet, moody, strange stories on on the edge of crime and uh, all that fast car stuff and suddenly you'd cut to a very quiet story and it must have thrown some of the viewers, I would think, at the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. But, but I think a lot of the uh, programmes at that time were trying to purvey this this, mm. this this mood of action-packed, yeah. lots of things happening, weren't they? That's right. So, so, so... 
yeah, well, I mean, as you say, the, the 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 main character was was a female. She she was that she was in charge of what she um, of her own destiny, as it were, mm. in the in the in the program. But she had a lot of men around her, didn't she? It was still quite a male dominated program. She had a lot of men around her, and she had some baggage. She had a family life too, and a f- um, an ill father to deal with, and and a, and a rebellious son to some extent. So, and um, a few tricky policemen under under her. Yeah, that's right. So when you were asked to write it, then you were obviously given scenarios, I presume. Are we, were you, or did you actually come up with the whole story, or was there storyliners, and then you yeah. wrote it, or how did it go? You have to think of an idea, and they they would say sometimes that you know could you do an episode with very little film and all studio, which is quite good because then you can write something quite quite uh, claustrophobic, where it's quite moody. Other times they would say we can't use much studio. Could you do quite a bit on film? So that was quite that was quite fun. And then you think of an idea that would fit fit the, that premise, and then uh, then they got to say yes or no. And that was it. Now, having watched some of these programs recently, we mentioned before, didn't we, before we started recording, that there was a lot of a lot of darkness in them. I mean, they're quite deep dramas, weren't they, in many ways? Yes. Why was that? And, I mean, this is, was this a Friday or a Saturday night they were going out? So it was quite serious stuff for people to be watching on a on a, an evening an evening when they might be, want to be relaxing and laid back. Kind of. I think it was just the other side of the... Of the um, what, what's it? The nine o'clock, isn't it? The, so, so you the watershed. Were, the watershed, right? so you could do that. I don't know. I think I was taken on board, but, but it's the kind of thing I I would write. So you know, they had to run. Otherwise, they didn't like that. I couldn't do the action stuff. But I couldn't. But, uh, did, did you feel? I mean, today, just about everything is um, sort of issue led, isn't it? Even mm. soaps are constantly tackling yeah. this issue and that issue. Yeah. Did you feel a pressure to tackle particular contemporary issues that were going on at the time? I did. I wrote um, one about um, a suicide pact between a, a lesbian couple. Which which went down well and by directed by um, what was her name now? But a uh, uh, Carol Wiseman, and she did a wonderful job. And I was very lucky to have Fiona Walker and Sheila White playing the couple. And that was all studio bound. I did want some film. I said I wanted a scene in a park, but they said you can't have that because it's all studio. Which is you were given these restrictions, but sometimes you can get value from those. Yeah. And that tackling a, a you know a, a story about a lesbian couple yeah. in the early nineteen eighties would that have been particularly groundbreaking at the time as well? A little bit, yeah, yeah. a bit risky. Because I mean, I think when, with Paul and Jimmy, they were sort of sending her up at the end in the mm. police station, which is you couldn't get away with now. But it was a, it was quite nice because you felt for the two girls and the two women. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what strikes me as well about some of the characters, and we'll talk to, to actors here about it in a moment. But some of the some of the characters that came into it who were the subjects of the of, the, mm. of, the, of each episode, whether it be a you know old lady or a, you know um, some wayward youth, whoever it may be, that was was the subject. Um, they were all there was a real eclectic mix of people, wasn't there? You know, yes. you were really showing that actually, you know, crime and disorder and whatever, um, you know, isn't 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 about stereotypes, is it? You know, there there are lots of people who get into the into into a bit of a scrape, aren't they? Really? Yes. Yeah. So, I wrote one whole one whole episode about a, a lonely man with. A paranoid man with a child in a pushchair, and it, it worked for a whole episode. It worked, yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. And the other thing I noticed about them was that, and the same with Julia Bravo, actually, in some respects, is that often you feel as though you're left at the end of these episodes thinking um, about it. I, 
there's not always not always a complete conclusion. It, it seems that the audience is left to think, well, what was all that about? Where did, where was that going to go after that moment? Do you know what I mean? It yeah. seems there's something. Was this was was that you know was that on purpose? Do you think? I think it was allowed. I mean, it, things had to be things didn't have to necessarily be tidied up. You notice these days there's so much exposition dumped at the end of a show because they're terrified the audience won't understand. We we were allowed to get away with that at the time. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Now, talking to, to, to the actors, Paul, you were there from the very beginning, is that right? You yeah. Were there right at the very beginning. Yeah. Just to yeah. add to what Peter was saying, I heard that um, because of the Sweeney, you had this image of the police, these tearaways on it, it's a wonderful series, that uh, they wanted something more drama-based, right. as well as saving money by putting everything into the studio rather than <laughs> filming. <laughs> and with the gentle touch, it would be a woman who was sympathetic and interested in people rather than beating them up, really. So how did you get the part, then? How did you man manage to get into uh, Little Touch? The RSC were about to go to New York with everything, and at the last minute the money fell through, and this audition came up, and my mum had bought me a second-hand Crombie overcoat okay. <laughs> from a thrift store, and I wore it, and it looked kind of the business, you know, so I went in there, and they were very nice, I must say, all of them, and as I got to the door, they said, oh, by the way, if you got this part, would you be prepared to wear the overcoat? <laughs> so I feel it was the overcoat that got <laughs> the part, and, and not me. And, and I nearly got the sack, actually, because uh, Bernard will forgive me, but they said I was too young, I was supposed to be the love interest for Jill. Ah, okay. And they said he's too young, so we'll get rid of him. And Jill and Bill Marlowe went to the producers and said, no, you could just change his character. And I became her kind of uh, dog, protecting her and looking after her rather than having a deep romantic interest, which is where Bernard came along. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk to Bernard in a moment. But what do you, um, you know, what, what do you remember about, obviously you got the part, but did you know who you were going to be playing with at the time? Did you know who you were going to be? No, I didn't know. Because having been in theatre for mm. so long, I didn't know any of the... I'd worked with Bernard on Z-Cars years and years ago, <laughs> uh, as a lot of actors had, but I didn't know any of the actors. I didn't know uh, Derek or Bill or Jill. And uh, tell us a bit about that, you coming together and the beginning day. Can you remember the early days? I think it? I think Jill and Bill were just such nice people and, and natural-born leaders. They were always very polite to people who came into it. And... Uh, they just created a great atmosphere. Did you have any reservations about the part? I mean, obviously you'd done Zedcast, so you'd seen, you'd been in the police sort of side of things before. But was anything you, you know, the, the, the premise of the program? Did you think it was it would work? N no, because I, as Peter was saying, you know, this was about people, mm. about their lives, rather than dashing around London and kicking doors in and what have you. We did a little of that, but not very much. No. So the idea of the gentle touch and this woman, although she was surrounded by men. It brushed off on the men. They became gentler as well because yes. they knew that she wouldn't want you behaving in a overtly manly, you know, brusque kind of way. So, so how did it you, softened the other characters around us. How did you set about playing the part then? What was your... I mean, you were obviously given I wore the overcoat. It was the overcoat, did it? <laughs> and it's brilliant being a, playing a copper in any series yeah. because it, it, it is just there. You have the authority. Yes. You can relax. You're in charge of most of the scenes you're in. So they're, they're brilliant parts. And, you know, Peter's writing is just fantastic. And of course, any show, when it first starts, it takes a while, doesn't it, to sort of feel, you know, take its, you know, feel its feet kind of thing. Um, what was it like at the beginning in terms... Because I noticed that the episodes did change and that um, 
the Jill's character became she was quite she was very soft at the beginning and she much she, she hardened as the time went which I suppose anybody in that kind of job probably would anyway yeah. uh, in reality you know but it felt as though it was it felt to me as though it was a lot gentler <laughs> <laughs> gentle touch at the beginning than it was later on. Seemed to harden as it went went on. Do you think that was Yeah, right? I don't know whether Jill sort of grew into the role of being in command and being in charge, and that naturally made the character a bit tougher. And as she was surrounded by men, she needed to be tough with them. So, yeah, it developed. And what do you remember about the actual workload on the show in terms of the amount of research that was put into it, the things that you had to understand and think about? Because all these complex stories that Peter was uh, was throwing your way, <laughs> you had to understand them, didn't you, as well? Well, we had D.I. Gearing was our uh, police advisor who was uh, recently retired from right. the Met. And he would say, no, you, you, you're not allowed to touch him when you bring him into the thing. He said, of course, in real life, you would. But as it on the television, and this was all part of, I think, uh, giving the Met a different profile on television. That yeah. they weren't these rough guys going around. There were people who could talk and be interested in problems. Now that's quite important, isn't it? Just thinking about that, the fact that you know this is for most people. I said this when I was talking to um, the, the the two actresses from Juliet Bravo. You know, for me, my image as a kid of a Policewoman. In fact, still now to some extent, if I think of a policewoman, I think of in, the inspectors in Juliet Bravo. And so there's a whole, a whole pit, a lot of people who have no connection with the police in any way, shape, or form, no connection with detectives or anything like that, will watch a program like Gentle Touch, and that's the image they have of the Metropolitan Police. So getting that right is quite important, Peter, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a lot of baggage started at the beginning with the domestic life. And that was eased off eventually. So there was just a son, and and uh, and then then Bernard coming along. So I think they realised that, they, that the, the domestic side was getting a bit soapy and getting in the way of the of the of the, of the one-off dramas, which were like like short stories, weren't they? Each one self-standing self-standing story. Yep. So yeah, you're right. Because at the beginning, it was very much about her domestic life, wasn't it? And a, yes. And a, a, a father and, and a son and whatever. And in That's fact, right. it, Juliet Bravo did the same thing. They tried to do some yeah. of the domestic as well. Mm. But I suppose, I mean, what do you think? They, do you think they would have done that if it was a man in charge rather than a woman? Would they have gone on to the domestic? Or do you think it's because it's a woman? They felt as though they had to do the domestic. No, I think they had they had their baggage as well. Some of the male characters, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah, nasty yeah, baggage. Some of them. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Talk to talk to Burn. So uh, this brings us on to you. So you're. You, know, you came into it. Yeah, tell us how you came into it and what, um, why they brought you in. I'm beginning. Still got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was a fairly busy young actor in those days, and uh, and it came up. Uh, would you like to do Gentle Touch? We'll, we'll put you up for it. And, uh, and by this point, it was an established program. It was knew well established. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was for me. It was great. I was going to have. Uh, was it two weeks? It, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Two yeah. Weeks. Uh, to put it all together, and then usually a trip to the pub was involved somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, and also, it was uh, the, the biggest thing of all. Uh, I've been in some situations with some, certain directors and writers who've been miserly, horrible people. But everybody on the gen, I know, you know, it's so I would say this, but, <laughs> but it's true. Every every person that we met, every actor, joined in the kind of. It's fun's the wrong word. It sounds like we were larking about. We weren't, mm. but but it was, it was it, it was one of the really lovely periods of my life. 
Yeah, that's saying something. <laughs> the oh. rest has been sheer crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, what, what, so, so what did you understand about your role then? What you were supposed to be putting into into the show? Oh, dear, that's quite difficult, really. I, I, I wanted to seduce <laughs> Jill Gascoigne, but then who doesn't? <laughs> um, I, I, I just... I just loved the momentum of it all. It was it was exciting stuff to do. Uh, you didn't mess about. You got on with it, and you, it, but they would always do it again if something had gone wrong. Yes, and things occasionally do go wrong on television series. Um, and he was just well. They, the bosses, everybody, Michael, Bernie, Bernie yeah, 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 Bernie, yeah. Uh, and the others were utterly charming to me and helped me if there was any worries. They'd, uh, if they'd noticed something, something I'd done wrong or shouldn't have done, like I was sitting like this one day. and With your legs crossed. Yeah. Not like that. Yeah. And they, they said, no detective would do that. Put them down. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I, thought, I, I never even thought of that. I was just <laughs> casually sitting there with my legs crossed. <laughs> now, of course, um, you said it, so each episode took two, two weeks to, two weeks, to, to yeah. make. And, of course, we know today that everything's done extra, oh, yeah, extra quickly, right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Just reflect on that. Tell us about those, both, both you and, and Paul, if you can. Tell us about the process and how it sort of, you know, how, how I mean, did you, did, was everything done in order or was it done out of order? Or, you know, how did you, how did you come to sort of do, do, the, do the, the scenes and things? Well, I, I think it was all mapped out by the office mm-hmm. so uh, and the director obviously the producer and what order the things were done also because there'll be different teams working you, it wasn't just one episode being made there might have been a, a filming bit for another episode so uh, you never quite knew where you were did you um well you did because it was well explained to you yes. and um it, it it was just part of the the makeup of television you can you, all those dramas they don't do it so much now. They mutter a lot, yes. but they don't. Uh, but they don't seem to. Uh, everything just explodes in front of you. And but, but we were. We, we. I had some really lovely um, scenes with Jill. Um, uh, we uh, tried to avoid corpsing, but, <laughs> but uh, it might have happened on a couple of occasions. I thought there was a lot. Of, from what I can see, there seems to be. It seems to be a lot of um, a lot of attention to detail. You know yeah. what I mean? In terms oh, of they seem oh, yeah, quite yeah, detailed. Yeah. Yeah. Episodes, yeah, well, we had know. this uh, advisor all the time, and a- yeah, actually, you know, they were script-led because I should think almost seventy-five percent of it was in the studio, and it relied on dialogue. Yes, and I remember Michael Vernie Elliott said, "I only rehearse them up till about two o'clock, because otherwise they'll start looking for things." And they said, "You've got a perfectly good script; just let them get on with it and do the script." And not start, well, I'm not sure if I would open the door here, my character, you know, and all that business. So, as Bernard said, we just got on with it. A yeah. couple you... of days filming, um, rehearsal, which is unheard of nowadays, yes, of course. Yes. You don't get to meet people and rehearse love scenes and goodness knows what. <laughs> and then two days in the studio, which could be quite tight, because if you went over on the weekend, they were notorious uh, for their overtime, which eventually, I think, closed London weekend down virtually. They, they found out that vision controllers were getting about 70 grand for a weekend or something, you know, oh, as much yeah. as the uh, musicians' union used to get. They don't anymore. Do you, um, you two were young men at the time, quite young men. Uh, do you um, regret that it wasn't more of an action show where you could show your, you know, your masculinity on the streets, as it were? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think that it, the, the, the great thing about The Gentle Touch was that it was fun. Yes. And no one was screaming at you to tell you what to do. It was, 
it was just re a really nice job to have, and I was very sad when it finished. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you, you must I mean, think the same when you did it for 40, 40 Yeah, there were rumours of it becoming the bill that Bill Marlowe and what's his name, Jeff, Jeff McQueen, Jeff McQueen, yeah. who'd written a couple of episodes for the Gentle Touch, were going to set it up as two half-hour episodes. And, it, of course, Jill went into cat's eyes, and that was the end of that. So I regret uh, losing a very nice oh, job really? with very nice people. I got one Very nice scripts, too. You got one episode of cat's eyes? I got eyes, one episode you? of cat's oh, eyes. Yeah, yeah. Traitor. Yeah. <laughs> which was, I followed her. Which was made by a different company, wasn't it? Was, it? it was. It was made very by strange. TVS, yeah. which was very strange. strange yeah. And that was much stricter. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I watched the opening credits of that the other day, and I, I looked at it, and I thought, this was... This was British television trying to do Charlie's Angels. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, complete copy of it. Yeah, but but, ra but rather than rather than it being all very glamorous, um, they were there in some back street place making tea, and you know what I mean. It just didn't. It wasn't as glamorous kind of thing. And the dialogue was sometimes really stupid. And they had Don Warrington in from, of course, was in oh, Rising yes. Damp. Great actor, of course. He was in a sort of this Bosley kind of character from which mm. they had in Charlie's Angels. But it's very, very similar. So you say you reckon it was done done badly compared to Charlie's Angels? Do you? I, I, <laughs> I think in a way. But going back to to, um, to the romantic, I'm yeah, in gentle the, touch. Yeah, gentle touch. Given the job of um, Bernard romancing Jill Gaskin. Oh right, yes. And um, so we wanted to take it down a little bit and make him. And she could see something coming, maybe Ramsey, but his idea of romance was taken into a pub for a pint of beer and a bag of crisps. <laughs> but then he had a big surprise coming for her because the producer said to me, look, we have a location, we have um, an empty bowling alley, and um, we can use that. So he has the keys to the bowling alley. He's like, I've got a big surprise for you. He takes her to a bowling alley in the middle of the night and just romantic. And she's never been in one in her life. <laughs> So I thought that was good. It was a good location. So it's all part of the robot. And she's saying, what am I doing here? But it blossomed. This is Distinct Nostalgia by MIM, the home of a regular quiz testing your TV and film knowledge. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. So can you ask me some questions on that, please? I absolutely loved Pip Play. Was that presented by Susan Strength? I'd like to have some questions about Coronation Street in the 90s. How would you like to be crowned Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month and win a Distinct Nostalgia mug in the process? If you think you could answer random questions on both a chosen subject and if you get to the final TV and film general knowledge, then drop us a message now on the contact page of the Distinct Nostalgia website, distinctnostalgia.com. Staying well, staying home. Let Life Rooms Online help you exercise. So when you're ready, we're going to start with hamstrings. So just push those hips backwards and just let that body hang down. You should feel a nice stretch of your hamstrings. Cook healthily. As you can see, what I've done is I've chopped up some peppers, some onions, tomatoes. Because it's cooked so quickly, it's great. We can do whatever we want. With listening. Alexa, play Distinct Nostalgia. Tell us about those two guys who were talking about, David Ellis and, and the guy who played George Parrish. What were they like to work with? Delightful. <clears throat> quite funny, weren't yes. they? Very wry sense of humour. David was quite shy, wasn't he? Or just talking. Well, the phone service is there ultimately to chat to people. We want them to feel supported. But we can also offer signposting advice as well in lots of different areas. You can call us anytime, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. The number to call us is 0151-478-6556. Life Rooms with Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Find us on YouTube or go to liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home. 
let's talk a little bit about Jill because she was the star of the show. She's yeah, the main, main character. Yeah, Sadly, it. we can't talk to her because I know she's she's, she's not yeah. very well in America. Um, what was it about her? Do you think that made the show in terms of you know sort of helped it along, gave it gave it that sort of that, that sort of iconic because it was iconic. It wasn't one of the one of the yeah. first programs like Juliet Bro, I suppose that showcased a woman on on yeah. TV in terms of a police role. Yeah, I suppose she was extremely beautiful. And she was nobody's fool. No. Mm. And she was also had this authority, so it wasn't like you could take liberties with her or say, oh, she was just a bit of crumpet or something, which yes. a lot of women were in those, well, still are, for goodness sake, especially in police things. Mm. How many naked young girls do you want to see on a slab in a police thing anymore? I mean, it's just awful, I think, mm. the way they're exploited. But she had authority, and she was very attractive at the same time. Mm. So everybody fell in love with her. Kids would wonder for her mother... Men would wonder for a, a, a girlfriend or a lover or a wife <laughs> or anything. She was, and she was that person. It it came through her. Yes, yes, exactly. And she became great friends of us all, didn't she? As well, yeah. she was never sitting sitting on the side and not not involving herself. She was just lovely on and off. Absolutely, and she was. You know, we're, we're now talking about this thirty odd years later, or whatever. But she was. Um, she was a big star at the time, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. These pro- these programs were watched by yeah. literally millions of people, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. She was a huge star, but yeah. in those days, before Hello and all that kind of thing, yes. we weren't pursued wherever we went until the very last series, and we were on a building estate somewhere, housing estate, and she was suddenly surrounded by all these kids. Really, yeah. And she came in and was really quite flustered and... Some old hand said, yeah, but you'll be sorry when it stops. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have what they have now the in extenders and, yeah. and what have you at all. You could walk around anywhere. Yeah, People might say, oh, hello, or wave to you, but no. What did you think then, guys, about the the storylines that you got, that Peter handed to you? You know, some of these quite dark and deep sort of storylines. How did you feel about playing playing well, those? Well, lots of other writers too. Of course, yeah. Not just, yeah, not, yeah I know there wasn't yeah. just you, but yeah. What did you feel about them? You, did you enjoy the challenge? Did you think it I was? I didn't notice. It's a horrible thing to say. I didn't <laughs> notice it. I was just happy, happy to be where I was. <laughs> didn't notice your writing, Peter. But I did. I mean, we had to play it. We had to play it properly. And I think uh, that actors, when they do go or in that period of time, when they go onto television acting, that they, you know, it has to be done. Well, yes, you can't laugh your way through. Although we had a few laughs while it was going on. Um, Bill had a, the appearance of dignity, and but he was uh, up for a giggle like every like everybody. He was just a nice yeah. It was a nice thing to do again, like it? Jill. He had great authority, but he didn't throw his weight around at all. Neither did no, she. No. They were just part of you know it's a cliche to say a family, but in a way we were with the crew as well. The crew responded to it. Who was great the, times. Now the other, the other thing about these. Um, programs, of course, and it reflects the way of changing society, is that everyone's smoking in most of these oh, yeah, yeah. And the one that never, <laughs> ever loses his cigarette is, and I can't remember his name, it was one of the, one of the um, detectives. Brian Guaspari. That's it. it, yeah. He's yeah. always got his cigarette guy, isn't he, constantly. He's obviously his, 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 um, his, his go-to prop, as it were. Um, just reflect on that a little bit. I mean, that, I mean, people would today would say, oh, it's shocking, whatever. But that was the reality of the time, wasn't it? it? Was, if you were yeah. in a police station, that's yeah. what people were doing. Actors yeah. were so stupid that they, they say, oh, I've got to smoke. All right, can I have 20 this, 20 that? And you think, oh, great, I've got free fags to smoke all the way through the day. <laughs> Can you imagine nowadays? So I'm not doing that. I can't possibly so, inhale. So what did it do to your careers? Did it enhance them? 
did you go on? What, did, never, what happened? What happened after the gentle touch? Well, I just, do you think, Paul? For you, for me, yeah. um, I think I went. I went to the National Theatre for about eight years, and did bits and pieces of telly, but it didn't zoom. I think nowadays younger actors would say, oh, this is my opportunity, and they'd be writing letters and doing this and doing that. But we were I think we were very naive. We we weren't into the producer's office every day saying, hey, I want this, and I've got this idea, and tell Peter he's got to write it up for me. I'm not getting enough work. We just yeah. turned up for work and, and did it. What about you, Bernard? Uh, it's a very difficult question to ask. I, I, I've never really been out of work. Mm. Um, for various reasons, N- nothing to do with being a good actor. Just fit, just fitted into the right slot at the right time. Dead lucky. Um, so that it's hard to answer. I, I had a few regular things that I did, like Jack and Ori. I'd do that every year and other stuff as well. But you know, you weren't stereotyped by the gentleman. No, not not, no. not really. No. Not that I can. In fact, I did. I did a BBC Shakespeare while I was doing it, and a job at. The Royal Court, oh, really? Boy yeah. for England, about a punk band. Fantastic. And actually, Jonathan Miller said to me, he said, oh, what have you been doing? I said, I've been in this cop series. He said, oh, well, I'll, I'll, you want to break that. You want to do something more interesting, which was a, a bit hoity-toity of it. <laughs> and he gave me a part in Troilus and Cressida. Fantastic. So it didn't, it didn't no. impinge on us at all in no. those days. It might nowadays. Do you think it could be made now? Do you think, it, do you, think you would, that the gentle touch, the kind of scenario would work today, Peter? Yes, I, th- I think at, at the time it was there was a big change coming because I think it was one of the programs that was the, the last of the studio-bound drama series. But then it would go to always on film, and um, and I, I think that changed things and opened things up and broadened it maybe to disadvantage sometimes. But uh, it would work now. I think it would. Yeah. But are there things about it that are very? I mean, you know, I can watch it now and, and really enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, but do you think there are things now that things that in it when you watch it that are very eighties? Are there things that feel very sort of of the time? As it were? I mean, obviously the smoking thing is one thing, but is there anything that you think Att- attitudes? I suppose. Yeah, yeah but uh, then have to be careful. With these days, it's getting very, very PC, yes, and, and yeah. you know you can't tons and take some of the chances that you could yeah. take then. I think the worry now for me is, as somebody who's creative, is that if you're not careful. You sanitise things so much that you're not actually reflecting reality at all. That's if you're not true. careful. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But she was so good because she was a policewoman who cared, and that showed. Mm. And um, she was suddenly see if the police, the other the fellows were in, uh, interrogating someone, and she could see a different side to it. And she tried. It was difficult because she couldn't just cash in, crash in on 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 their on their on their particular crimes yeah. that they were solving. But she could do a helping hand and, uh, and maybe resolve things. And she was good at that. She 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 could care. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, one of the episodes I watched, in fact, last night or the night before, um, was one where, which was pretty dramatic, actually, and it kept me on, it really kept me on the edge of my seat. And it was where Jill is holed up in the in her office um, by a woman with two grenades. Yeah. And mm. the whole, and, and basically, uh, I I I I thought, oh, she's gonna she's bound to get out of this at some point. That's about, she's not gonna, it's not going to be an explosion. And I gather that that episode ended that particular series. That series Nobody yeah, yeah. knew what was going to happen did, after yeah. that. You were in that episode. Oh, right? yeah. um, can you remember Can you remember much of that one? I mean, it was pretty dramatic. As, as somebody watching it, I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I can't next? remember very much about it. <laughs> okay. Well, 
you know, I, I, well, it was dramatic, yes. I, I, and it was uh, therefore it's tough to do. And you were any minute you were, and that bang was really loud when it went off, and I was just at the edge of the set. So, it was, so I mean, that end of the series, and I think, you know, um, I mean. It, they they went to I think I think your character went to see if she was okay, and that's why I wasn't there when it went up. And, and then and and she she was still alive, mm. but then the credits rolled and nobody knew whether or not she was going to. I mean, I presume at the time probably people thought, oh, is this the end of the Gentle Touch? You know, but he did come back for one more series. One more series. One more yeah. series. I think it was the mm. fifth or fifth yeah, or sixth series like at, at the end. Yeah. Uh, you're working at LWT London Weekend Television. Which, of course, in the old days, the old ITV regions were big yeah. bastions, weren't they? All known for certain things. Um, and um, there's just been a big celebration about the fact that um, ITV did a thing the other day, looking back at the London studios, because it's, it's gone now, isn't it, I gather. Um, you know, I, I, obviously the, the befores and against of working for these companies or whatever, but, you know, have we, for, for people who, for you three who were around at that time when ITV, I suppose, in many ways, was in its sort of heyday, mm. Um, have we lost something? You know, when I hear that LWT jingle there, I'm thinking, actually, you know, it, it conjures up some fantastic programmes that LWT made and Thames made and ATV and all these different things. Have we lost something from that period, do you think, uh, Peter? I think so, because we had things like read-throughs where you could get together, couldn't you? And also um, there was a time um, at the end when the thing was being um, were being recorded. I mean, the writer and other people would go along and sit in a little booth and watch it and then talk afterwards or go down on the floor and talk to people. That's all gone. Because when you've got things like the bill, we saw down on film, you never never had a read-through and you never saw this going on, you know, unless you went to filming. What was it like to work for those kind of companies? Was it, did they look after you? Was it like the, was it, you know, was it, was it like the BBC? Were they, obviously different to the BBC, weren't they? But they were... What were they like? Well, London Weekend was such a sort of small company that you'd mm. have coffee and you'd... Uh, You'd be sharing it with Bruce Forsyth, who was telling <laughs> telling some jokes to Les Dennis, <laughs> and he said, "Of course, you wouldn't understand this because you're not in entertainment, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose everyone. Makes but it was that kind of sense. feeling yeah. down there, and and it was very democratic. It was a fun. whole thing, yeah. the crew and everybody. There was no feeling of authority or somebody yeah. being oppressive to you there. Very yeah. much like Thames Television, wasn't it? It was kind yeah. of a happy family place and mm. people mm. got to know each other and knew yeah. people you knew before. Mm. Everyone says this because I'm from, um, I grew up watching Yorkshire Television mm. and knew a few people there and I've got to know more since then. Everyone says that, that, you know, everyone mixed and mingled. You know, Leonard Rossiter would be mingling with Richard Whiteley and, you know, everyone knew each other. You know, it just yes. wasn't, there wasn't any hierarchy whereas the Beeb, it always felt as though it was a sort of a, a sort of institution, as it were. Except that, that happened, that, that, we had to talk about a time when actors had that wonderful um, rehearsal rock, that block of... Block oh, of, yeah? Yeah. Yes. The Acton Hilton. The Acton Hilton, we used to call it, yeah. Mm. And that was, it's a wonderful meeting place. You know, you know, Hello, darling, everybody was doing it all the time. <laughs> Exaggerating. So you all used to go there, didn't you? Yeah, because that, 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 that was just, if you, were, if you were doing a read-through or something like that, yeah. or the actors would get, whatever... Uh, the, the, the cast would always go. It was to the, the place to go. You'd go there first and say hello to everybody. And, you had that and tape, then, tape. then the voice would come over the. Uh, will, will Mr. Holly please go to <laughs> whoever? <laughs> oh, yeah, the wooden tops go to rehearsal <laughs> yeah. and sing. And there was ta- right. tape on the floor, wasn't it, where you all had to stand and do your yeah. bit and do. Sometimes. I, with the guys, I, I had to go there with the producer, and um, he didn't like anybody adding any different, an extra word. And, and the extra word was said, he nodded to me, and I had to write it down after. And you were given notes after that. Too. Yeah, that's what, that's what it was the, the, for. That's Richard Bainer, yeah. yeah, yeah. Richard Bainer, yeah, they were, they were all. But every drama that I did around that period of time had exactly that, that kind of progr- progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd get together, 
talk, talk about everybody and then read, then read through and then have a little chat. And then the producer and director would go away and tell everybody well, the notes, they were rubbish yeah. Yeah, for the notes. Yeah. But John Slater was, he couldn't resist paraphrasing. And, um, sure. and so he was always put in his place. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> so John, John was lovely. So just, yeah. just, just wrapping things up then about, about the gentle touch. It's been lovely to talk to you and reminisce about it. What, what is it for you when you're, you know, when people talk, talk to you, well, obviously I'm talking specifically about the dental touch here, but if you're talking to anybody about, you know, what you've done in your career, it might be your grandkids or whatever, you know, are there any particular things that you always remember about the gentle touch and your time in it that is, is quite special? You said at the very beginning, this was the best time of my life, Bernard. <laughs> I didn't so mean you, that in any <laughs> sexual way. <laughs> I know you didn't mean that. But, but what, you know, is, is there something about it that you, when you, when you look back? It was it, the atmosphere, I think, that was yeah. created and it was a, a place where you really look forward to going into work. Yeah. Whereas with uh, a lot of things now, when you don't get any rehearsals and you don't know what you're doing and what have you, it's um, it can be a bit nightmarish. But it was a very cocoon, safe place to be mm. for for actresses as well because of Jill, you know, mm-hmm. and the whole temper of the programme. And I think it also had an effect on things like A Touch of Frost, Morse and Lewis because mm. those coppers were softened. Yes, yes. And, of course, Peter, it yeah. also did tackle... You know, we say it was, it was tackling particular issues of the time. Mm. It did start to tackle. You mentioned the two lesbian characters mm. in it. Mm. Um, there was one episode where they they bring in a um, a black um, girl who's desperate to get into the police force, mm. but her family doesn't want her to get into the police force because they think the police force is anti black mm. people. Mm. Um, and I mean, it, it was tackling real real issues. Wasn't it, it did. So, it did. Yeah. It was a chance to do that. I liked that. It helped me. Um, but going back to um, it being. I had a social life because of it. I think we all did. I got to know the producer and the associate producer afterwards and the meet-up, and it was a social life, which you don't have anymore. No. I mean, you may make friends while you're writing for something, but afterwards you're, you're forgotten and it's gone, you know. But it, uh, Is that what you remember most about, yeah. Bernard? The, sort of the camaraderie, is it? Right? Yeah. yeah, I always used to think, oh, God, it's the mousetrap. Once <laughs> <laughs> I finish the job, and like that. Yeah. but I've never done the mousetrap. <laughs> oh, it'll be coming round there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody be right in with the mousetrap. I always used to think that, that, that you know I haven't worked. I maybe worked for a couple of months and everything was been lovely, and then suddenly you say it's mm. it completely open. Mm. You, you don't know what you're going to do. It's down the Labour Exchange. Well, going back to camaraderie, I always found it was for me it was the most difficult thing to write. Was it a difficult thing to act? Camaraderie, with lots of people all oh, done. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. Because no. there's a lot of there's a big cast, wasn't it? It was quite a big. But you, cast, had, you had to choreograph yeah. it more yeah. than write it yeah. as you wrote it. Yes, yeah. 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 I would I would have thought because we went through all the stages, we that would be covered. Mm. You, know, you mean the relaxation with your fellow actors? No, what we're doing when you when you write for a lot of lot of, lot of characters all at once, all in that police station, mm. and they're all uh, talking over each other, and there was a gasp, gaspar. It was always bossing things around a bit, wasn't it? being slightly yeah. unpleasant as the character. And that sort of camaraderie of people coming in and out of doors. I'm, what I wanted to do at the time, I was very restricted at the time because I wanted what they now call walking and talking. Instead of staying in one place, go down corridors. And I used to say, can I have stairs and corridors so you can go along and carry on this conversation? Which is now, when it went to film, of course, you could do that. So I used to do a lot of that. So a lot of people coming in and out of doors and crossbar. And apart from a fag, he always had a pen in his mouth. He opened filing cabinets, didn't he? And rummaged through and went through. That's got camaraderie and people coming in over, talking over each other. Yes. It was very difficult to write, but it's great fun to do. And I thought it must be difficult to act too when you're not going to, when you've got to interrupt and come in. I do remember one episode. I think I think it was with Paul actually. Yeah. Paul was on the phone and Jill was on the phone. 
and they were both having separate conversations. Mm. And for the audience, it was like, what the hell on earth is going on? But that was reflecting reality in mm. the fact that you do get into in a situ- office yeah. situation yeah. where people are having different conversations on the phone and nobody knows what's going on. Mm. And it's, it's getting in the way of... Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. sort of... Do you remember that scene, Paul? Do you yeah, yeah. It? And I remember being stopped by a policeman and saying... We really love the gentle touch because people are always busy writing things, doing their notes and things and other police things. You don't see that. Yes. You see them kicking doors and what have you, but they were actually doing the job and we were part of that team of actors yeah. and crew, but also part of a team of policemen and the, the lady doing our jobs. Just one... I'll come bring you back in a second, yeah. Bird, but the one just we're nearly then, but... Um, and were you able, because often people say to me now, people are in soaps and dramas and things, that they have to stick specifically, totally to the script and can never change anything. Um, and if they do change anything, they you know come down on a ton of bricks kind of thing. Whereas in the old days, certainly on Corrie, they often say they, they try and shape the character into... Did you have the freedom? Were you able to put your own slant on your character? I think we had respect for the scripts. As soon as you read the script, you thought, yeah. this is really good, meaty stuff. And this is what actors really want to get stuck into. Uh, so there's no question of, oh, we'll change this or cut that line. That was also part of uh, Michael Verney Elliott's thing, don't let them rehearse too much, because they'll start saying, <laughs> oh, could I not say this? Or could uh, Peter write me another speech in here? But, you know, but, but, it was, a, but it was whole, a play that we were doing. The whole thing about, you know, the, the guy was smoking all the time, whatever, you know, was, was that something that was in there already, or did he develop that into his own... I think um, I think Brian Brian developed that, and in, he, yeah. in his flat he had a deck chair or something. He was constantly thinking <laughs> of new things to do. But I think it was hard to do tracking shots because the cameras in those days were huge. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So yes. you couldn't, like a Dalek, you couldn't take them downstairs. No, no, absolutely. Bernard, sorry. No, it's all right. It's just that uh, we haven't really mentioned the, the crews that mm. I work with uh, in, in the gen- on the Gentle Touch or in anything, but they, particularly in in the Gentle Touch, uh, the, the crew loved her. Seriously, they did. They loved working with her because she was nice to them and she joked with them and talked to them. And, she, and um, one day, Jill, Jill told me this. He said, uh, I went up to Bernard, she, he said, she said, and I told him, if he doesn't look, look after you, 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 I bloody well will. All right, darling? <laughs> <laughs> and that was seemed to be the, you know, how the crew felt about it. You don't often get that. We well, do sometimes, don't you? you, you yeah. If you know them. Mm-hmm. Through, through working. But sometimes often. it can be us and them, can't it? Whereas in Gentle yeah. Tush, it was very much, very yeah, close. Right. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much indeed for talking to well, me. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And coming soon, we get all nostalgic for the 90s as we catch up with Mark Homer and Andrew Linford, who played Tony and Simon in EastEnders. When I first came onto the square, I was like, you know, trying to beat people up and trying to, you know, just to tear away, really, which was good, which was fine. Uh, But about, I don't know, six months into my contract, I I got called up into the storyline office and we we, we chatted about where we we saw Tony going. He literally sort of asked me how I would feel about this bisexual storyline. And I was like a bit nonplussed, really. I was like, (laughs) do do I have a choice? (laughs) I mean, of course I want to do this. I mean, at the moment, I'm just like ordering pints from the Queen Vic. Yeah, completely, I want to do this. this it was a very special storyline and it's, it's resonated with so many people, which is, isn't really nice. That's just one of the blasts from the past we've in store for you as we continue our celebrations of EastEnders at 35. 
And don't forget, if you have a suggestion for a Distinct Nostalgia programme, you can let us know your thoughts via the contact page on distinctnostalgia.com or via Twitter at distinct underscore by M-I-M. See you soon. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.